on this most unique form of gathering of worship. Uh, I remember a class I had in seminary that talked about, well, when a pandemic comes through and then there is worldwide protest for racial injustice, here is what the Bible says to do. You know, no, I didn't. There was no class like that telling us we're going to worship outside in our cars, have masks uh, on, and I'm going to preach from a pulpitized scissor lift that we use to clean ceilings and tall spaces and change light bulbs that you can't reach with a, with a ladder. So um, uh, that's what we are today. Days when we laugh and cry all in the same moment. And it's at seasons like this that my nature is to say, let's go back to the basics. What are the basics? And our basics when we gather at this time to worship God is that we sit and hear the word of God. We want to hear what he has to say. What is God's guidance for us together? So that's what we'll do now. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we do thank you for your word that speaks to us of your truth, of your love, of your sovereignty, of your control over all the earth, your purity and your goodness. So we, we come together today to, to hear from you, uh, to hear from you so that we might glorify you in what we say and in what we do, and that you might so fill us in your power to truly bring change, change of justice and goodness and righteousness, that we will do the work of faith, those things that please you, even when it hurts, even when it takes sacrifice, even when it takes change. We long for your spirit to fill us. So speak to us that we might hear your word this day. In Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, uh, um, uh, we've been walking through Thessalonians. Those of you that have been with us when we've been online, we're um, on our way through this particular letters in the New Testament called First and Second Thessalonians. You, you may recall Paul and uh, Silvanus and Timothy. They were early missionaries. They, they planted the church in Thessalonica. And uh, so they were the first people to go there and share the, the, the name of Jesus and of his, and they didn't have church bells then either to ring that out. Um, but, um, but we, we do. And we wave to St. Clair and say, we love y'all too. That's what they're saying, that we love you and they're crying their, their unity to follow Jesus together. Now, um, Thessalonica was this church then where Paul, Timothy, and Silvanus went. They shared the good news. And then the people there in the church were sharing that good news with others. They, they were empowered by God and His Holy Spirit to share the good news of Jesus. And they met opposition. They were trying to do what was good. They were trying to do what was peaceful. And yet they faced death. Some scholars think the early church in Thessalonica that everybody in that church uh, were, were two degrees separated from death that they knew somebody everybody in the church would have known somebody that knew somebody that died for their faith simply trying to follow jesus to share that good news to do what jesus calls us to do to do what the, the prophets have called us to do to, to let justice roll down like a river 
and righteousness, righteousness like a never-ending stream. To, 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 to do what God required of them, to, to love justice, to do mercy, to follow God humbly. That's what they were seeking to do as they shared. And they met opposition. It was chaotic. It was crazy. There was fear and anxiety all around. That's what the, the church found at its very birth there. So we can go and learn from them. We can learn. What did, how did God lead you through that? What do you have for us today in this time of chaos, in this time of death, of injustice, of pain, of evil? That's what we want to hear as we look at our passage um, today. And we're going to walk through the first 12 verses of Second Thessalonians. Though, If you've got handouts, you have that um, in, in your handout, and that's what we'll, we'll look at together. Now, uh, the first two verses give a, a one our first point. And I almost threw these verses out. I said, oh, no, this is just a general intro. But actually, I think it's really significant for to- when the times when the church is under the pressure of the chaos and confusion of evil of our world. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the, the, the first thing we see that in the midst of conflict and chaos, we've got to find our peace We've got to ground our security. We've got to ground our lives, anchor our lives in the grace and peace that comes from Jesus. We've got to anchor our lives in what God calls us to do. And as I said already, what the, the prophet Micah called us to do, that you know what the Lord requires of you, but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. What Amos said, let justice roll down like rivers. And like righteousness, like a never-ending stream. Like Jesus said, here are the ones that are blessed, those that are making peace. The ones that are blessed are those that weep with those that weep. The ones that are blessed are those that are meek. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those are the ones that are blessed. And so if we're about doing that in our lives, then we've got to be sure, if we're about making the peace of Jesus and those around us, we've got to be grounded and anchored in His peace and His grace. Because if you're anchored in anything else, in your own goodness, in our goodness, in a nation, in political preferences, in some other thing, if you're anchored in anything else, you're in for disappointment and even worse. So this first point in the throwaway verse... This is essential for us. And I would say for those of you who are with us who aren't followers of Jesus, but you're, you're here just checking it out. You're wanting to do good. And you're like, hey, maybe the church has a word uh, for me. You got to know this as well. Whatever good you're trying to do, if you're anchored in yourself, if you're anchored in any human institution, then you're leading for disappointment and failure. So you've got to figure out what are you grounded in as you pursue trying to do what is good and bring change. Obviously, my suggestion is to be grounded in Jesus. And for those of us that are followers of Jesus, then we have to be sure, particularly at these times, these times of stress, that we've got to be reading Jesus' words. We've got to be in the Gospels. As much time as you spend on social media or watching the news, how does that compare with the time you spend with Jesus? 
He's our grace and peace nowhere else. So be sure we're grounded in him. Now, verse uh, three and four, he goes on. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Now, again, as a a community of those that are seeking to follow Jesus, we face evil. We face death and opposition, misunderstanding, fear and confusion and anxiety as we follow him as we share him, as we live out that good news. And as I said at the beginning, he repeats here, you've got to be steadfast in in your faith in God, your trust in him. Then he adds the other thing that he notes here, you have to be growing deeper and deeper in your love for one another. In the midst of tribulation, in the midst of opposition, we've got to be intentional about growing in our love for one another. It's a big danger in times of peril, in times of uncertainty, that the pressure around us and upon us will will try our faith. As we're seeking to do what is good, evil will stand against us. And the biggest danger as followers of Jesus that we'll face is division in the church. We'll try to find something else besides Jesus that unites us. And beware of that temptation. That something else is more significant, but it becomes more significant than Jesus. That's called idolatry. And that, friends, will face the wrath of God, as we'll see in the rest of the passage. Our anxiety can cause us to circle the wagons and protect our positions, our interests, and ourselves and find something else to be our anchor than Jesus. And that's actually a huge danger in a church like ours that is seeking to be multiracial. That we are seeking to be diverse, unified in Jesus, but a growing, diverse community of Jesus followers. That is a particularly, a, we're particularly prone to that. As a, a church that brings together the divisions of race. I mean, we see that. We, we understand the divisions uh, around race and racial differences in our society, in our city, in our world. And that becomes prominent in a church that's seeking to really try to be together, to be unified in Jesus and intentionally pursuing that. In a multiracial church, though, we have the privilege of gathering with one another and talking about our racial divisions and the different experiences we have had in the same city because of our race. It becomes personal and real. We get to to hear and share our pain, our confusion, our anger, our anxiety. And we stay with one another in that. We don't try to deny one another. 
what they're feeling, what they're sensing, what they're sharing with us. We stay in that. We share that pain. And because of the love and peace we have in Jesus, we don't have to run from that. We don't have to hide it. We don't have to deny it. It is real. It is true. And it becomes personal. That is the privilege that we have, that God has called us to. Because we're committed to truly loving one another in Jesus. And just like Paul did with the church there, I want to affirm you. I want to affirm us as a community how we're trying to do that. We're trying to grow. I mean, 40, uh, over 40 of us gather on a Zoom call uh, with uh, Daryl Davis, who was just up here leading uh, you in singing, just to and asked him, how are you feeling through this? And we heard from him of the nightmare that he had. Uh, the, the event of watching George Floyd being suffocated to death under the knee of one who's supposed to be protecting us, seeing his black body die. He woke up up in a nightmare seeing the black bodies of his children dying. And we got to hear that and sit with it. And we don't deny it. It's a real privilege for us. And it is an act of Christian love to hear, not just hear, but then share and feel that pain, that anger. If you didn't get a chance to be a part of that, um, you can catch it on either our Facebook or YouTube page as well. And and today, um, I asked Samuel Mock, our um, director of student ministries, to, to share with us. Now, I'm not going to go down and him come up, just take the time to do that. But I asked him to take a, a minute to share with us um, what he shared with us at our staff meeting on Tuesday and also what he has put um, uh, online on Facebook, which is asked him, you know, how are you feeling? And share that with the staff. And he, uh, he wrote um, this poem for us. So I want us to, to hear and share in what he was feeling through this time. Thank you, Drew. Mm-hmm. So I wrote this after, uh, as Drew said, as, as he asked me, how do you feel? Uh, I couldn't really put it into words when he asked, and so I really started to think about it, and, and this was the words that God put on my heart. I feel like I'm so mad that I want to kill Like I'm looking down a barrel still. Like any second, that could be me. Chalked out body laying in them streets. I'm scared my brother could be next. I hold my breath when I get a text. I feel like the room is caving in. I don't know when I'll breathe again. I feel like I'm screaming so loud it hurts. I can't breathe on every t-shirt. Like I'm not safe in my home. Like I could be killed going on a run. I'm scared for my mom to get that call. Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, or Ahmaud. The names are written on every wall. Who do you call when your help is gone? When the good guys are doing wrong? When the system brings no peace? I call my father crying on my knees. (laughs) How long till we're gonna see change? There's alarms going off in my brain. Bitterness is taking my heart. God can help somebody push restart. Thank God for every single friend who's reached out and given me their hand. 
So many calls and texts I can't count. Some hope restored, at least for now. I'm treated different because I'm brown. Will I ever see equality? My Bible says yes, but I'll wait to see. I cling to Jesus with every turn. I cling to Christ with every turn. God, we need you. Come send your son. Thank you. Thanks, Samuel. See what a privilege it is? We have in the power of Jesus' peace and grace to enter into the pain of another and to sit with it, try to understand it, to apply it in our lives. So in the midst of this, what... What, what does God say? What is God calling us uh, to do? What is God going to do? What does God say he's going to do in this, this situation where we oppose evil, wickedness, sin? What we see in our passage and what Samuel really alluded to, that the Bible says one day Jesus will return. And he will annihilate evil. Will destroy it. Racism, sexism, prejudice, greed, arrogance will one day be destroyed. With no influence at all. And that's the return of Jesus. That is our Christian hope. Verses 5 through 10, then in our passage, the longest section that we'll, that we'll read. Paul then tells the church, this is what's happening. This is what's going to happen. This is evidence, uh, chapter uh, verse 5. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. When He comes on that day to be glorified in His saints and to be marveled at among all who believed because our testimony to you was believed. This is a, one of the times in the Scriptures where we have recorded for us this vicious, violent, cataclysmic explosion of, of God's goodness and the evil of this world. And the ultimate defeat of evil and the ultimate defeat of the opposition that flows from the very nature of the evil one itself to the work of God in our midst. This is God's final judgment against all evil. Jesus returns with fire, destroying and annihilating, removing all that is wicked. This is our Christian hope. 
And there is no other way to describe it except with violence. There is no way to describe the removal of wickedness, but with destruction. I mean, the very language of this passage, the righteous judgment of God. Jesus returns with His mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance. The writer of Hebrews says, our God is a consuming fire. He is holy and pure. This language flows from the words of Daniel and Isaiah. Calling God who comes in this righteous fire. You get a sense of the immensity of the war. And the ultimate victory. Like no other war, no other victory you've ever seen. Now, Thessalonians, they were trying to do the work that God had called them to do, and they were in the midst of such evil. And so they heard these words with relief and hope. And as we face evil and pain and rejection for trying to share God's love, for doing what God it calls us to do, be to be good, to do what the prophets called us, to be blessed like Jesus calls us to be blessed, then we can hear these words with hope. But, but you may also look at this and, and visualize this, this violent, cataclysmic collision of good and evil and wonder. Wonder, how in the world does any human being survive the destruction of all evil? How does anyone, how does any human being survive the righteous judgment of God? It's a great question. It's a humble question. It's an honest question. And, and those of you that, that aren't Christians are like, you know, I, I know Christians and they're really, they're, they're not pure either. And I'm, I'm, I agree with you. I know a lot of Christians too. They're not pure. Uh, I know me really well and I'm not pure. How will anyone survive this death? I mean, God has no evil, not a trace. He is pure fire. He is self-burning fire. That, that's the metaphor that the, the Bible uses for this moment to describe this cataclysmic collision. And so how can anything survive pure fire? It will be consumed. Anything that is not pure fire will be consumed. You must become like the purity of God to be in the very presence of God unadulterated. And that's one of the main points of the whole Bible. How does any impure human ever enter into the presence of a pure God? Well, God takes care of that. But what we believe the the, the Bible teaches is that God the Son becomes human, enters into our impurity, enters into our evil without, without compromise of His own purity, but he enters into our mess, comes along our pain, and he receives our punishment. He receives our guilt. He rescues us from the very wrath of God, which is what Paul said back in the first first part of his first letter to the church, Thessalonica. 
What we as guilty of evil and impurity, you and I deserve is death row. In Jesus' day, the first century, the death row was a cross. We've sort of glorified that and put diamonds and gold on it and all the rest and it put it up for all to see. Uh, modern day equivalents, not one we use necessarily today, but would be an electric chair. Jesus got fried in the electric chair for me and for you and for any who will receive him. He took on the very wrath of God, the righteous judgment of God upon himself so that we might be clothed in his holiness, his purity. He takes our sentence upon himself so that we might have his reward. The only way anyone survives the righteous judgment of God is to receive the righteousness of Jesus as our own in total and complete humility and dependence. God has made a way for you, for me, and for anyone to not be destroyed upon his return, but to celebrate with joy the sight of his dissension upon us when he renews all of creation according to his righteousness and annihilates evil within us and around us. But after he died, on the third day, on the third day, which we call Easter, he rose from the dead to demonstrate he was greater than death. He was greater than evil in you, around you, in our world. He destroyed and annihilated wickedness. He is greater His life, His love, His compassion, it is greater than the wickedness we see and feel and experience even today. And one day He will return and it indeed will be true for all who are in Him. Now, again, a word to those that may be watching online or maybe just have come in because it was an interesting thing to do for Sunday morning or just a curious onlooker. You don't consider yourself a Christian or a follower of Jesus. But you still, you want to do good. Well, one, that invitation of Jesus is, is to you today, tomorrow, any day, whenever you're, you feel his call to come and, and turn to him, to, to give him a try even. But if you, um, and I'm glad you're here. You're, you're welcome here, glad anytime. And you're glad to join with us in the things that we're doing, where we think we're seeking to do what God wants us to do, to, to live out that, that call, to, to be the, the blessed peacemaker, to, to be the one that does justice and righteousness and lives in mercy. We invite you to come participate with us. But I invite you, as, as you pursue what is good, my, my prayer for you is that you'll encounter Jesus in that. Because I believe Jesus is the only one who is truly good. He is the one who innocently sacrifices and dies for you and me. He is the one who dies in order to defeat evil. And, and I even believe that desire in you has been planted in there and is related to the very goodness of God. 
I believe the very notion of justice, the very notion of, of fairness is a gift from God. It's from the very very notion of we are equal as human beings. It is, is a, it's an echo of the very beginning of creation when God created all humans in God's image. That very desire in you and in others to do what is good, I believe, has been planted by God and is related to His very nature. Where else does that notion of justice come from? Where do we have that sense that, that we're equal? I believe it's because of the very essence of our creation and the essence of our Creator shining through us, even in the midst of evil. Now, for the church, God has called you and me, all followers of Jesus, to do, to do what is good, not just to be saved, not just to be saved for that day, but to live for that day until He comes. We're saved. You've heard it many times. We're saved for service. We're blessed to be a blessing. Well, I'm sorry, that's sort of nice language, but no, you're being trained for a war against what is evil to demonstrate the reality and the glory of our calling that is in Jesus. Not just to be saved for that day, but to enter into the evil of this world and demonstrate in real time and space the glory and love and compassion and righteousness of Jesus. That's why Paul ends the passage with a prayer. Just like he did last week. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of His calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by His power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear that, that language now? He's praying for us to be worthy of the call that we have, that God has called us to be His. Let us be worthy of that. And that call is secure. We are in Him. Now go be who you are. Go live it out, He says. Fulfill, He says, every resolve for good. And that's a great word there, that resolve for good really means what is, you could translate, go, go fulfill what is pleasing to God. And fulfill the work of faith by the very power of God. He's praying that for them and He's praying that for us. As a, as a church that seeks to demonstrate the way of heaven in who we are, being a growing, diverse community of Jesus followers, showing forth what we know to be true in the end, it is right and good and we are in this position so that we may gather and in this moment we might hear our black brothers and sisters crying out. They're saying to us, we are, are not valued like human beings. That's how we feel. That's what we see. That's what we experience. What a privilege we have to hear that word from them. And they're even doing it nicer than me right now. What does that take? What does that take out of our brothers and sisters? To enter into 
a multiracial place where, with a majority culture and try to play by their rules. But we have this privilege to hear them say, this is what it feels like. This is what it looks like to us that our black lives don't matter. And that's wrong. And we all as a church need to be reminded that that's been the case from George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, from the last couple months, from the last couple years, Tamir Rice, Sandra Bland, Trayvon Martin, James Scott. Or we can go back a few decades to Emmett Till, Medgar Evers, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Or we can go back centuries to black bodies being stored in the hull of slave ships as cargo. And if they happen to die on the open sea, just thrown unceremoniously overboard. Our black brothers and sisters are crying out. Do you know these stories? Do you know this reality? We still feel that today. Just as we as a church have said for decades, and that we work and we live towards saying unborn lives matter, we today say that black lives matter. And we hear your cries. We may not understand it, we may not feel it. Now, I'm, as a white man, I need to sit and listen to those stories over and over again so that I share their pain. Same thing I I do with my wife and my daughters as they share with me about ways women at times don't seem to matter, way they get dismissed, or ways I've been shared with that some of you as well. We've heard the cries of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have cried with them. We have shared in their pain and their despair and their agony. Heard the stories of their nightmares. Seen their tears. And we say with them, this is not of God. This is evil. This is, the not, this is not the goodness and righteousness and justice flowing. And we know that one day Jesus will return and make all things right. That is our guaranteed destination. That is our promised land. One day we will enter into that day and that is the direction we travel now. We don't just wait for that day to come. We live towards it now. We are committed to pursuing together what pleases our Heavenly Father. We look forward to that day when peace and shalom shall be ours forever. But until that time, friends, we depend and trust upon God. 
Because it's only God who can give us the perseverance to never give up. It's only God who will give us that faith that anchors in Him no matter the storm. It's only God who can give us the love to care for one another, that we sit with each other and we listen and we stay in that pain and we join together and we act in ways for good as we face opposition from the evil in our world. It's only God. It's only God's love that will enable us to face the hurt and the pain, endure the sacrifice necessary to live in to what He's calling us to live in today. It's God's power to bring change. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let's not be foolish. Let's not live for our security or our peace. Let us live in the eternal peace of Jesus, what we know to be true, what we know to be real, what we know to be eternal. And it's His peace, it's His power that enables us to enter into the brokenness of this world. In our city, in our neighborhood, in our community, whether it's police brutality, whether it's inequity in education, whether it's a justice system that... um, treats people differently by the color of their skin or the amount of money in their bank account. We are committed to doing what Jesus called us to do, to be makers of peace, to pursue what is just and right, to weep with those that weep and to hunger and thirst for righteousness. We will continue to act, to make it more and more real today and tomorrow until he returns to annihilate racism, prejudice, inequality, brutality, evil, sin forever. Let's pray. Almighty God, we do give you praise that you are good. And we confess to you that we are not. We give you praise and thanks that indeed Jesus has claimed us and called us and made us his. That we have been rescued from the very wrath of your righteous judgment and been made, we've been made pure in Him, clothed in His righteousness. And so, Lord, we give You thanks that we are here because of You. And now we come before You, wanting to be Your people, united, anchored in Jesus, united in His love for us, and growing in our love for one another, sent out to carry out Your purposes, to, to be a sign, of your beauty and glory in our world. Help us, Lord. We want to stand for what is right and what is good. In the power of your Holy Spirit, we receive your forgiveness. The power of your Holy Spirit, we invite your Spirit to to lead us to take that next step, to keep standing up for what is right and good so that you might be glorified that we might experience the joy of your power. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, we submit ourselves to you. Thank you for one another. Thank you for this day, even in the midst of such pain and evil. Thank you. In Jesus we pray. Amen.